How's everyone today? It's so good to see you guys. Oh, man. Um, just exciting things going on. I want to take a moment. If you haven't um, seen that Amy and Freddie Gala have returned, we want to welcome you back. They, uh, you know, I, yeah, there they are. <laughs> we just welcome you guys back. They were gone for three and a half months. They, they took a missions trip. Um, with Mercy Ships and just did some amazing work at various places. We are going to have an interview with them next Sunday. You don't want to miss it. Uh, We're very excited about that. And we're also excited that people take that step and say, you know, I'm going to go where God sends me to go to make a difference with what he's given me to, to, you know, to use to help people change change people's lives. So we're excited about that. And um, just awesome. In fact, I remember years and years and years ago, they would say, we are saving and getting ready to retire so that we can go on missions trips and we can be missionaries wherever God sends us. And I love to see people's dreams fulfilled. Amen? Amen. All right. So that is good. Um, We're excited. Uh, We want to also welcome those who are live streaming with us today and, and watching the video, watching the message online. If you're, if you're, if you've, uh, if you've got a Facebook account, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Um, if you could take a minute, take out your device, your phone, your pad, your whatever, and go on the Faith Chapel Facebook page. It's probably going to be the, one of the first feeds on Facebook, and share that. We want. We want the gospel, we want to leverage technology so that the gospel goes out and people will see what God's doing, amen? amen? And so if you're with us by live stream, I just want to talk to you guys for a second. We would love for you to join us if you're home because you're sick or whatever, that's fine. But we want you to be a part of the family by being here as much as possible, amen? So we've been in a series uh, called Stories That Change the World. We've been looking at um, the parables of Jesus and sharing just some powerful things, some powerful kingdom truths that Jesus uh, conveyed as he shared parables with either his disciples or the crowds that were there. And today we want to look at one um, that I think in some ways is going to be very challenging to us. Because Jesus a lot of times went after the heart of the matter. He didn't beat around the bush He was really very strong about what was going on in people's hearts, and he wanted people to focus on what was happening inside of them. And one of the mistakes that we make as followers of Jesus is that uh, at times we can be religious or substitute religion over having a relationship with God. We we can allow religious thinking um, to, to take the place of our relationship with God. And when that begins to happen, our thinking changes and becomes something that Jesus was very much opposed to when he walked the earth. When you think about the people that he addressed with strong language, when you think about how Jesus began to speak to the religious audience, what he was addressing was the matter of the heart, like some things that had taken place in their hearts to get them a little bit off track in their thinking, in their attitudes, in their actions. And as a result of this, Jesus was trying to correct them. I want to say that, you know, when we talk about the word, I'm going to use the word Pharisee today, okay? 
When we, when we think of Pharisees, we think of these e- evil, ugly villains in the New Testament. You know, they're horrible. Their hearts were all wrong. They missed it, missed it, missed it. They were guilty of sending Jesus to the cross and all this stuff. And the reality is we are not that far from having the same heart attitude that they did. You know, when we, when we talk about... Uh, when we talk about Pharisees, they were sort of the religious leaders. They represented, they were one of the religious groups in Jesus' day. There were Sadducees, there were, there were various other groups. But when I use the word Pharisee today, I just want to sort of categorize all of them together, okay? And the title of my message today is Overcoming the Pharisee in Me. I, I want to go after some stuff because I think there's times that we could miss the mark because of the way we view ourselves and the way we view others. And so my hope is that as we look at the parable we're going to look at today, our hearts can be reoriented to what God wants to do um, in this world. Amen? And it starts with us. It starts in in our hearts. So uh, one of the things that we need to know about Jesus and the Pharisees is he hung out with Pharisees. He ate dinner with them. He spent time with them. He asked questions of them. And get this, he loved the Pharisees. He loved the Pharisees. You know, in fact, I don't think that he would, be, would have been as strong and, and, and as adamant about trying to deal with their, their misgivings or their misunderstandings of the scripture or the heart of God if he didn't love them. He, he, didn't, give them, he didn't give up on them. He didn't write them off. But he, he wanted to help them understand uh, the heart of God. So um, one of the things that they, that they struggled with is their, their self-justification, their self-centeredness, and their self-righteousness. Like they were the cream of the crop. They were right and everyone else was wrong. If you didn't align with their thinking or their beliefs, you're wrong. I, it just hands down. And, and we want to look at that in our modern day vernacular. And so I want to talk about modern-day Phariseeism. I want to deal with religion that has crept in to the church of Jesus Christ. Sounds like someone else is preaching over there. <laughs> they have this volume button. You just keep pressing it down until it, stop, <laughs> until, until it stops playing, you know? It works. It really does. Ah. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I'm very concerned about, uh, and really it, it, it breaks my heart in a sense, is that the, the Pharisee in the church today, or the Pharisaical thinking in the church today, is killing the mission and vision of what God wants to do in the world. And so that's why I want to deal with that. You know, it was, it was a parable that Jesus brought to the table, and um, he, he was trying to... Uh, uh, at least open the eyes of people to help them understand that there's some thinking that exists that does not necessarily align with the thinking of heaven. And so there's this story. This is not the parable I'm going to cover, but there's this, there's this story where this group of Pharisees bring this woman who was caught in adultery, and they throw her at the feet of Jesus, and it's, they're exposing this sin before all of the crowd. It says that there's a crowd there and there's this, there's this public judgment taking place. And as, as they bring this woman to Jesus, they ask him some questions. 
They, they ask him, you know, the, the law of Moses says that we should stone such a woman. She was caught in adultery. What do you say we should do? And Jesus, you know, who knows what he was writing or kneeling down writing in the sand. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. If right now, it doesn't matter to me. Because if it really would have mattered, it would have been in the word of God. And so, but he's taking time before he responds to their question. And as he responds to their question, he asks them a question. Um, and, and well, maybe it wasn't a question, but he makes a statement. He said, uh, who of you here is without sin? Let him be the one to cast the first stone. You ever, hear, you ever read that story? And so one by one, slowly, the older, from the older to the younger, they left the presence of, of Jesus and this woman that was caught in adultery. We don't know what happened to the man that was caught in adultery with her, but this woman was being, was being judged. And I, I could see them with anger, you know, just they're ready to throw stones. I could see stones in their hands in this moment in time because of the, the harshness of where they were at. Um, but Jesus says, where are your accusers to the woman? And last I knew, there was someone associated with a, being an accuser, and it wasn't Jesus in the Bible. It was Satan, right? He's the accuser of the brethren. Where are your accusers? And, and there were none left. Um, and he says, you know, I, I, don't, I don't condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. You remember that story? So, so here's this, this situation that Jesus is, is dealing with. And I, I wrote a few things down as just as points of the mindset of a Pharisee in contrast with the heart of God. Um, the Pharisee will accuse and judge, leaving you feeling unaccepted and rejected. Jesus will affirm you with love and call you higher to be just like him. That's what he did with this woman. Like, I'm not going to condemn you, but you, there's something better for you, woman. You don't have to live in this lifestyle. There's something that God has for you that's way better than the adultery that you've been caught up in. The Pharisee wants you to pay for your mistakes and sin. Jesus helps us realize that our sins are already paid for. Yeah. So I've got a couple slides. I think they're going to be able to be put up on the screen here that shows really how close we can be to having the heart of a Pharisee. Because in reality, there's a lot of right things that they had in their lives. In fact, we would benefit from some of their right things that they had in their lives. They had a passion for God. I mean, they were passionate people for God. They were passionate. There was something burning inside of them for the things of God. They, they, know the, they knew the word of God. Many, many scholars say that the, the sect of the Pharisees and many, many people who lived in that day had memorized the scriptures. I mean, some perhaps from cover to cover of the Old Testament. That is phenomenal. They knew the word of God. They, they not only knew the word of God, they were disciplined in, in their reading of the scriptures, in their prayer. They had disciplines in their lives that we could look at and say, wow, that is amazing. You know, that's kind of discipline I don't have, right? If we begin to compare ourselves and look at them, they, they, they were extremely committed to their faith. But there's some things that they were missing. And, and I want to show you the next slide where 
in comparison with Jesus, Jesus had all of these similar traits uh, except two more. He had a passion for God. He knew the word of God, spiritually disciplined, extremely committed. But he loved people. He loved people as they are. He loved people as as they are. That's why he could be around sinners and tax collectors and and the people in society, prostitutes and and, uh, these kind of people that no one else would want to be around, and yet they they felt good being around Jesus. Why? Because there was this authentic love flowing from inside of him. It was real. It was solid. It was healing. It was hope-giving. Right? There was not a judgment. I don't, I get so concerned. I get so concerned when people who are not walking in a godly lifestyle get around Christians sometimes. Because I think sometimes they feel this judgment like, you know, you're not good enough. You're, you're, you're just this ugly, rotten sinner. And, you know, I don't want to be around you. I, I want, I want people who get around us to feel loved. That's why, that's why people were comfortable being around Jesus. There's this element of love that the Pharisees didn't have. It was more judgmental. Jesus came to the table with grace, and the Pharisees came to the table with judgment. And then one other element, Jesus was sensitive to God's spirit. He, he it wasn't about the letter of the law always for Jesus. He didn't violate the law in any way. But what I'm trying to say is the way the Pharisees interpreted the law led them astray. You understand what I'm saying? The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. And so Jesus is sensitive to God's Spirit. He, Jesus stood in front uh, at a Samaritan well in, in front of a woman who had had five hus- husbands and then was with another woman that was not, excuse me, another man that was not her husband. And this woman felt loved and accepted. He could have he done all kinds of things in the realm of judgment or throwing the book, the Bible at her and saying, you, you're just wrong, you violated, you've broken this law and this law. But she felt loved. And as a result, her entire village came to know Jesus. There's, there's an attitude that can creep into the church that I want to just begin to expose and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, one of the things that, if, if you're like me, I can sit and hear a message like this and justify why none of the points or none of the thoughts related to, in this example, the heart of a Pharisee could relate to me. But let's, let's just let the Holy Spirit begin to speak, because when he does, there's healing that takes place. It's not judgment. It's not condemnation. He begins to bring healing to a matter, and we're better off because of that. Amen? So I want your heart to be open. Would you just take a minute and say with me, uh, I'm open? I am open. I am open. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me today? Listen, we all, no one, no one in this room is exempt from having the heart of a Pharisee. Or at least having Pharisaical thinking. Okay? But we, we want the Holy Spirit to lead us and correct us so that we can be more loving and more like Jesus because we are growing to be more like Jesus. Amen? We're, we're growing toward, toward his likeness, not away from it. Right? Okay, so I want to look... 
I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 18. While you're turning there, and we have um, in, in the app, if you've downloaded the app, we have notes in there. The Scriptures are in there as well. Um, you're welcome to follow along. There's fill-ins if, you, if you're one of those ADD type of people that I can't, I can't stay on track unless you give me the fill-in words, and it's there for you. We're helping you out. You know what I mean? While you're turning there, I want to ask the question about the woman that Jesus uh, encountered in John chapter 8 that was caught in adultery. And even that kind of thinking related to the Pharisees versus Jesus' thinking. And um, here's, here's the thought, or here's the question. In that particular story, which feels, which feels to you more like the modern church? Is it, is it the way the Pharisees reacted or the way Jesus reacted? You don't have to say it out loud. I just want you to think about that. I mean, when we think about the modern church, today's church, the, I'm not talking about Faith Chapel. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. When, when we think about the church, does it reflect more like the Pharisee's heart than Jesus' heart? Or maybe some combination of the two? I mean, when we look at, I mean, there's certain venues or arenas that are very ugly. You get on social media, and I mean, it could get very ugly, and there's people that are saying, I'm a strong Christian, but this and this and this, and, and there's condemnation, there's hatred, there's arguments, there's bickering, there's fighting, you know, there's certain persuasions of uh, how we look at politics, and, and there's, in our mind, there's a right and a wrong, and how we approach issues related to what we're facing in our world. What does that look like to you? Does that look like uh, an agenda-driven mindset or the heart of the Savior? Think about that for a moment. Because I think, I think even though Pharisees formerly existed thousands of years ago, I think what they stood for and how they thought, that, that mindset can creep into who we are. No one is exempt. So in Luke chapter 18, there's this amazing parable that Jesus begins to share. You may, it may be titled in your, in your Bible, uh, The Pharisee and the Tax Collector, or something along those lines. And it says in verse 9, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other people, those robbers and those evildoers and, and, uh, and the adulterers or even like this tax collector over here. I thank you that I'm not like him. There's no pride there. He's a humble man. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now this guy was sort of, he wasn't even praying. He was, he was, he was telling good how good, God how good he was. Right? He was boasting before God and judging people in the process. And I didn't count the number of words, but he really did a lot of damage to himself in maybe 25, 30 words. But it's reflective. The Bible says, out of our mouth comes 
It comes from our heart. The things that we speak out of our mouths come directly from our heart. So in his heart, we're only seeing one shade, one example, one dimension of what really resides inside of him. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now let's close in prayer. I'm just kidding. I think that is a very telling parable, though. I mean, we could just stop there and say amen because we see what Jesus is saying. But sometimes we get at the surface level and understanding of what Jesus is saying, but we don't let it penetrate our hearts to say, wow, there's some of that in me. What Jesus was trying to deal with, uh, there's some of that going on inside of me. And so that's what we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about, okay? So this guy in Jesus' parable is in the temple. And the Pharisees, you know, they, they had their long flowing robes. They're very, very uh, interested in being impressive on the outside. Very, very religious. Very, very holy. I mean, to the letter of the law. In fact, they were so intent on keeping the law that they made additional laws to keep them from breaking the law of God. And they were, they were super religious, and they were very uncaring. They had no grace for people around them. And we see that right here uh, in this story. So did you ever hear um, Jeff Foxworthy? He says, you might, he has those, those, you might be a redneck if. Okay, so this is what we're going to do today. We might be a modern-day modern Pharisee if. Okay, and I'm going to list... Four things. We might be a Pharisee, a modern-day Pharisee, if. I know there's some rednecks in here, and that is okay. We love you. So we're not going to go down that road, all right? But we might be a modern-day Pharisee if. And, I, and the first point that I want to make is, and we'll look at scriptures associated with these points, is if we look down on people who are not as spiritual as us. It's, e- it's so easy to do this. Look at me. I'm volunteering. I'm working so hard. Do you understand the kind of revelation I get from God? Do you know how much I give to the work of the Lord? You know, with that person being in the faith so long, they should be way more mature than they are. And we have all this thinking, this stinking thinking that that flows through our mind and many times comes out of our our mouths as we compare ourselves to other people. And it's it's very that sneering mindset, uh, I'm better than you. Like, look at this. I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. I thank you that I'm not like that person because they're just not living for God. They're not doing the right thing. And we could add all kinds of, of discussion. We could, you know, churches could be pharisaical in, in their thinking toward other churches. Oh, they don't have, they don't have the Holy Spirit or, you know, they're, they're limited in their, their ability to accomplish things for God because of what they believe and all that. And we're looking down because we're more spiritual. We're more spiritual than the person next to us, than the person that just walked by us, than other people we know. We've got to be very careful 
how we look at other people. We've got to be very careful. You, you have not walked in their shoes. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're working through with God. I like to say it this way. Everyone is in process. But when we start to circum, when we start to, when we start to cut them off in their process because we're judging them, you know, it's not good for us and it's not good for them. People need encouragement. People need life and hope spoken to them. Right? I heard someone say this. We should be hope dealers. Not dope dealers, but hope dealers. Come on, you guys got to get your dirty minds. We got to deal with that. We'll deal with that next week. We should be hope dealers. Listen, people need encouragement. People, uh, people need us to take their hands and say, come on, I am so proud of you. You've done such an amazing job. You've come such a long way. Look at what God is doing. And I am, I'm just so proud of what you've allowed him to do in your life. We begin to see the gold in people. Instead of criticizing the, the, the failures, the shortcomings, the, you know, if they're not at the same level as us, we call them out. Yeah. I wanted to find, if you look in your Bibles, Matthew 7, I'm going to find something. All right, I got it. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I mean, the visual of this thing is crazy. You got some guy with a big old uh, piece of wood sticking out of his head and criticizing other people that have a little piece of sawdust in their eye. I mean, it's just ridiculous when you think about it. And what we do when we, we start to look down on people is we look at other people as they don't got it together, but I do. They, they, they've got work to be done. They're, they're far off. And, and you know about Pharisees and that thinking of Pharisaicalism? Many people who live in that, in that realm, they're very hard on themselves. They're very hard on themselves and consequently they're very hard on others. And as they're, as they're hard on themselves, it's just a reflection of the fact that they don't understand grace and the goodness of God. They don't understand really what God has done. And so um, the end result of that is if you've ever run into people who have a lot of religion in their lives, many times they're joyless, they're cynical, they're, you know, they're, people don't want to be around them. They don't carry love and grace as uh, traits of being in the presence of Jesus. And so we don't want to be the modern-day Pharisee that looks down on people because they're not as spiritual as us. I look at it this way. Another way of explaining it is this. Jesus, Jesus came not to raise the bar, but to help us to get over the bar. Right? I mean, the bar was already impossible to get over. Sin and brokenness related to our relationship with God. And Jesus came along and said, you know what? I'm not going to make it harder for you. I'm going to make it easier for you. How about I take care of the sin issue? Let me give you a hand and help you over that bar so that you can succeed in this, this walk with God. 
Let, let me help you out. This is what Jesus did. And religion says, this, this is the goal. I mean, ugh, this is the goal, and you're never going to get there. I'm sorry. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you try to do, you're just not going to get there. You're not good enough. Uh, God is angry with you. And as a result, I'm angry. Look at you. I mean, look at your life. Look at the sin that you're still struggling with. That's not, that's not the grace that God communicates to us. Amen? Okay, so our first thought is that we might be a modern-day Pharisee if we look down on people who are not as spiritual as us. Our second thought is this. We might be a modern-day Pharisee is if, uh, if we are righteous before God because of the things that we do. Or at least we think we are righteous before God because of the things that we do. And, and this man, he, he tried to justify his righteousness. Oh, I fast twice a week. I, I tithe. And in, in a sense, I, I don't need Jesus. Why would I need a Savior? Because I'm good enough on my own. I, I, I can do the things to earn favor with God. My identity, my goodness. I mean, who needs a Savior? This is, this is the way he's communicating. Look at me. I'm going to tell you, God, how good I am. And I'm going to do work to justify your favor in my life. We might be a modern-day Pharisee if we're righteous before God because of the things that we do. And so it's, it's about performance. You know? You just work hard, you volunteer, you give, you do good things. And many people have the... You know, let's just go back to the, the Pharisees for a moment. They had a very well-intentioned heart. They, they, they wanted to do the right thing. In their heart of hearts, they wanted to do the right thing. It just they, they ended up being a little misguided, and it got them off track. And many people, they have the right heart. They're going after the right things. But, but in the end result, their doing ends up convincing them that they have a greater position before God than others who aren't doing what they're doing. Does this make sense? So we've got to be careful about our doing, that it's not, it does not earn God's favor. We serve because we were created to serve. We, we, we give, we, we love people you know, we were created to do good works, Ephesians 2 says. But that's not what grants us favor before God. Favor has been granted because of what Jesus did. Amen? And so, the outward things, we do the outward things many times, and it ends up convincing us that that gives us favor before God. And we can win God's approval because of the things that we do, the actions that we take, and it ends up becoming an identity for us. That's why people kick and scream and, and claw and bite when, when whatever position they had in the church is no longer available to them, or they're asked, you know what, this is a season for you to step down, or this is a season for you to just, just set apart to grow in God. And, and all of a sudden, their life is a wreck because their identity was established in their doing as opposed in, in their being a son or a daughter of God. It's a very dangerous place, very dangerous place to be. So instead of being dependent on God for our righteousness, we try to earn it. That's a mistake, and we can be thinking like a Pharisee if we think that way. 
My third point. We might be a modern-day Pharisee if if, uh, we appear holy on the outside, but we are not on the inside. Jesus had a lot of strong critiques in this area. In Matthew 23, 27, here's just one of them. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And they were, they were professionals at looking good on the outside. They, you know, when they, Jesus in Matthew 5, I think it is Matthew 5, he, they go to pray and they're in their long flowing robes and they've got to stand in public and make sure everyone watches what they're doing. They're giving. People got to see that, that it's just the outward stuff. But we all know, we all know that God is, God is more interested in what is going on in the heart, right? We can pretend before people, but we cannot pretend before God. And let me give you a little tip. You begin to work on the stuff before God and everything around you related to people is going to take care of itself. Oh, they might not like it, but that's not the problem. We, we are, are here to be impressive for an audience of one. And that is God Almighty. There are going to be people around you that are not happy with your focus on God. And, and you know, the way we dress, the way we talk, the things we watch, the things we do, we can pretend that everything's good, and especially in the gathering of the body, and leave and be totally different people. Do you think that's pleasing to God? God would rather us be real before him and real before people and having us press into him, he'll change our hearts. He's the one who makes us holy. Amen? And so um, we appear holy on the outside, but we're not on the inside. That is an attitude of a modern-day Pharisee. We just need to be careful. We just need to say, God, you know, here's my heart. You, you know where I'm at. You know my struggles. You know my challenges. If we just settle, let's just settle the matter. No one is perfect. Everyone is, should be working through something, right? Everyone should be allowing God to be dealing with something in their heart. We don't have to pretend like we've arrived, like we're way ahead of the game. I, I once described this process like this. Even when we're walking passionately and wholeheartedly with God, we surrender our lives to him. Lives to him. He begins to work on the big things, He begins to work on the big matters, you know. Man, you were a thief. Stop stealing. You were, you know, you used to lie to people. Stop lying. But 20 years into this, he's not done working on me. You know, he's dealing with things that, how I say things. Like, you know, you could have been a little bit more kind in the way you responded. You could have been a little bit more loving, a little bit more generous, uh, a little bit more forgiving in how you dealt with something. He, he's dealing with my thoughts and what, what goes on up here, you know, and, and how my thoughts control many times or, or indicate or dictate my actions. He's never done dealing with us. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory, you know, and, and we're not going to arrive until we're with him, okay? So, There may be someone sitting next to you or in this room that's not exactly like you, that's not as far along as you. It's okay. You don't have to try and impress them with your spirituality. 
Just be you. Let, let God do the work inside. What happened with the Pharisees is they were so focused on the outside that they refused to let anything take place in their heart to transform them. Their 100% focus was on the outside. So we might be a modern-day Pharisee if we appear holy on the outside but are not on the inside. Here's my last point related to this, this guy here that's standing in the temple to tell God how good he is. We might be a modern-day Pharisee if we set our focus on sin instead of focusing on the Savior. And you don't necessarily find that directly in this parable. But what I've noticed is this. There's, there are times that even when we know we have a struggle in our lives and, and we think like this, I have to overcome the sin. I have to stop doing this. Or you have to stop doing this sin. And, and the sin becomes the all-consuming focus as opposed to the Savior who can deliver us from the sin. There's a passage that I'll share with you related to this because sin, we need to know that sin has been taken care of at the cross. You know, sin has been defeated at the cross. So if we're battling sin, I think we're, we're, our focus is in the wrong attention or given, being given to the wrong thing. Our focus should be given to Jesus Christ to help us overcome that struggle. We already overcame sin. So in Hebrews 12, it says this, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The, the writer is amazing. He, he's, he's painting this picture like, okay, you're about to run this race. And, you know, in a race, when, when people are about to run a marathon or run something, they don't have like all their overcoats on and, and big boots on. They're, they're taking stuff off to get as light and, and as uh, drag resistant as possible. He's saying, I want you to throw those things off that can entangle you and hold you back and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. We begin to fix our eyes on Jesus. We begin to look at him and saying, God, this is a struggle in my life, but I know through you I can gain victory. I'm I'm just going to take that. I'm just going to let that be set aside as I pursue you. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to set my eyes on the finish line, and that is you, as I pursue you, I know that these things, these struggles, these temptations, these weaknesses, these relational issues, these things that are plaguing me, and as I focus on them, I go nowhere, but as I focus on you, I can get to where I'm supposed to be. As we begin to focus on sin We begin to think like a Pharisee. It's all about sin. You've got sin in your life. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not going to go anywhere. The reality is, we begin to focus on Jesus. He will fix us. So the story, thank God, does not end there. The story doesn't end there. Uh, If we can put back up Luke 18 and look at that tax collector very quickly we begin to notice something about the tax collector. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This man was broken. This man was humbled. In fact, it's, it's, it's absolute, um, 
Uh, what's the best way to say it? it, it is, it's scandalous that this man stood in the temple. It's scandalous that this man, in his society, he would be like a sex trafficker or a drug dealer that dealt drugs to kids. I mean, he was the hated of hated because he, he was a thief. He bankrupted his own people. He, um, he threatened them physically. Tax collectors were people of Israel that were put in place by the Roman government to exact taxes from their own people. But what they did was they took advantage of their own people and they took extra. And they were hated because of how, how greedy and, and thieverous uh, they were. They were thieves. They, they were just hated by their people. And this man comes in humbly, broken. If I could just paint a picture of what Jesus, I think, would have gone after with this interaction between the Pharisee and the tax collector, it goes something like this. The, the, the Pharisee's standing there, and he's, he's talking to God, and all of a sudden he looks over his shoulder. Instead of pointing the finger at a guy who's not good enough, um, he, he goes and talks to him and says, Hey, man, I, you know, I haven't seen you here before. What, what's going on with you? What's your name? And the guy says, Yeah. I'm Tim, the tax collector. And the Pharisee says, well, I'm Fred the, Fred the Pharisee. It's nice to meet you. What's going on in your life? So the tax collector says, you know, I just, God's, God's been revealing some things in my heart that, you know, I, I've done wrong. I'm a thief. I've hurt people. I've taken advantage of people. I've ruined families. And God's speaking to me about, about some things that, that, um, that I've done, and, and I'm just trying to get my life right before God. And what about you? Well, the tax collector says, you know, excuse me, the Pharisee says, you know, um, I'm a pretty religious guy, as you could see, but that's my problem. Religion's my problem. Religion has led me to judge people, be critical of people, not love people, not have compassion and grace for people. Religion has caused me to look down upon people, Instead of, uh, instead of reaching out to, to lift them up. Religion hurts people. And so as, as, as they're talking, we begin to see them expose their hearts. And um, so Fred the, Fred the Pharisee and, and Tim the tax collector begin to build this relationship to help one another and encourage one another. I think if God could paint the picture of what he would hope in that situation, instead of judging and being self-righteous and standing before God and say, look at me, I'm this great guy, I do everything right, I should have your favor and, and, and your blessing on my life because of who I am, we stand before God and say, listen, I'm broken and be in the process of being fixed too, and I need a savior, I need help. And it doesn't matter where we're at. We are in the process of needing help from God. Amen? Amen. You may be here today. You may be like that tax collector. You're like, you know, I, I have no relationship with God, but I recognize that I'm broken, and apart from him, I am hopeless. There'll be people here that would love to pray with you, love to share with you, maybe answer some questions for you. If that's you, I would encourage you. We're going to have uh, people here at the end of the service, our, worship, our ministry team that would love to just spend a little bit of time with you talking 
to you because you can leave, just like that tax collector, you can leave this place justified before God. You could leave this place in a right relationship before God. The biggest, craziest thing about this parable is this. The Pharisee comes in and he's like holy and religious. The tax collector comes in and he's dirty and broken and a horrible person. And the reality is God recognized the heart of a tax collector and exposed the heart, the wicked, evil heart of the Pharisee. And so as the people of God today, there's so much that we could talk about related to Phariseeism. But as the people of God today, my heart is that we would begin to press into God more to say, God, you know what? I don't know where I stand. You know, I, I know that you've given me your righteousness. I don't have to try and be righteous on my own. I thank you that Jesus has done great things in my life. But you know what? I don't want my heart to drift, to be judgmental, critical, lacking love, not caring for people. I want, I want to be gracious and kind to people. And so my heart is this week that we would say, God, you know what? I need your help. You've brought me a long way, but you know what? I recognize that I need you. Amen. Can we do that this week? Can we just authentically before God say, God, I need you. I, I, need, I need you to continue to work on my life. I'm not there. I'm not there. And I can't look at myself as having no need for you fixing me. I need you to fix me, God. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. And we'll close the service in a prayer. Just know that there'll be people, if you need prayer for any reason, personal prayer, you're welcome to come up. There's also be coffee in the atrium. We'd love for you to just hang out and get to know some people, spend some time with people. But this is a holy moment. Let's, let's let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us about, about things that maybe we, we've allowed to creep into our heart related to our right standing before God, related to the way we look at other people, related to the way we earn God's favor. No, 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 no. God has granted us righteousness. Through Jesus Christ. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. We receive it. And that's why we don't call ourselves sinners. We call ourselves saints. We've been cleansed. We've been purified. We've been made whole before God. I thank you for that, God. I thank you, Lord, also that you're working on our hearts, Lord. Let's just take a second and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying to us? What are you saying to me? We want you to have your way, God. So once again, we surrender, Lord. We say, Lord, our heart is yours. We don't want anything in there, Lord, that is polluted, that is wrong, that is uh, opposite of your thinking, opposite of your heart. So we give it to you. We surrender it again. We say, have your way. Make us like you. And continue to speak to us, God. We bless you this week, God. We bless you as we come into your presence and receive what you have to say to us. We give you all the praise right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you.